Welcome to episode 16 of Necronominum, a horror film podcast where we review films and the influences behind them. We're your hosts, Jenna and Matt. This episode, we're going to discuss the film Seven, and the cardinal sins the killer in the film applies to his crimes. So Seven, or Sir Seven N, as it is often written, uh, is one of my favorite films. How about you? Oh man, it has one of my top two endings in a film <laughs> yep. ever. It's so good. It's so dark and gritty. I think it really retains that now. Yeah. It's made in 1995, so it's 21 years old now, mm-hmm. and it's still really modern. Yes. Spoiler warning, you know, it is old. Uh, we are going to discuss what's in the box and other things like that that will spoil the film mm-hmm. if you haven't seen it. Even so even just knowing it. the actors will spoil the film. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. if you haven't seen it, stop now. Go watch it and then return. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely watch it. Actually, we got an anti-religion warning on here. Is that necessary? we need to bring that up? That was kind of a joke. But yeah, trigger warning if you are uh, super religious. Yeah, you're probably not going to like this episode. We're probably going to shit all over you. <laughs> well, we, we're going to talk a bit about the seven deadly sins and a bit about Milton's Paradise Lost and some other stuff. So, yeah, we might have a bit of a laugh at your expense. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> this film was written by Andrew Kevin Walker. Mm-hmm. This was the first film that he wrote. He was working at um, Tower Records at the time, and he kept saying, I'm going to write myself out of this record store. <laughs> and eventually he did. It took him three years. Um, it was based on his time living in New York City. He lived there in the the late 80s, early 90s, when he said it was kind of dangerous, even just Times Square, the the really touristy places now at the time for mm. him were very dangerous to go out to. Really? That's interesting. And he had the idea, Seven Deadly Sins Murders. Right. Kind of evolved that over time. But it was based Mm. on just walking through New York City and seeing people who were guilty of these things. Yeah. It's pretty good good content for a a murder mystery. I'm just surprised that it hasn't been done before. You know, Seven Deadly Sins, it's like such a good angle for, for that, you know? It was done in 1995, so I guess he... (laughs) <laughs> like, of course, by now you would think, how could that not have been done? But Sure. No, no, I just, I mean, yeah. It, what am I trying to say? I'm, I'm not trying to belittle him in any way. I'm just saying it's such a good idea. I'm like, man. Yeah, how did nobody think of that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of in the same vein as uh, The Bone Collector. Yeah, like you mean like in tone and Yeah, and it's it's very dark and it's like a buddy cop <laughs> Yeah, thing. sort of, but gritty. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, they're not action heroes in this. This was directed by David Fincher. We have talked a lot about him when um, we did the episode about Alien 3. He yes. directed that. We mentioned <laughs> in that episode that he did not have a good time filming <laughs> Alien 3. No. no, he did not. He said after Alien 3 that he thought he would rather die of colon cancer than do another movie. But then when he got the script for Seven, he was really drawn to it. And since then, he's hmm. been doing loads of movies. Yeah, well, he's... One of the better filmmakers, I think, out there. Like he done Fight Club. Mm-hmm. He did The Social Network, uh, Gone Girl, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, all with Trent Reznor doing the music uh, recently. Yeah, kind of got a thing going on now, and I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. So am I, because they they both kind of suit each other. So he also directed The Game, which is another '90s film, which I it's kind of a similar tone. It doesn't have as much murder in it, but it's mm-hmm. it's a mystery kind of um, you know following the threads and. Right, I haven't uh, seen that one. Oh, you haven't seen the game? No. All right. We should do it's not a I don't think it's necronominal material, but it's it's very good. Okay. Yeah. Luckily he didn't quit after Alien 3. No, and um I guess we'll talk about him a little more later. But let's uh let's run through the cast. You're probably familiar with this film 
in case you're not, we've got Morgan Freeman as Detective Somerset. He plays the hardened old detective that's sick of being in the game. He's almost like the stereotype of the old, um, I'm too old for this, I'm yeah. five days from retirement kind of character, but he's he's actually more serious. <laughs> like he's actually worn down and tired of it all and looking forward to retiring. Yeah, well, he lives in a pretty bad crime area. Yeah. He's just kind of over it and ready to go up to his house in the hills. Yeah, they, they show early on his job is not, at all glamorous or entertaining and is actually pretty damn depressing. And then we have Brad Pitt as Detective mm -hmm. Mills, who is the enthusiastic newcomer. He's very optimistic. <laughs> He's kind of excited about his new position in the mm -hmm. city. He wants to make a name for himself and, and kind of take on a big case or something. Yeah. He's a little bit headstrong. Yeah. He comes across very kind of um, very douchey and arrogant at the start. Yeah. But, you know, he kind of settles in, I think. As the film goes on. They have pretty opposing personalities, Somerset and Mills, yeah, but it, it works good, really well good, together. Yeah, exactly. Because he wants to rush in and get things sorted out. And whereas Somerset's more, well, we need to think about it. That's my Morgan Freeman impression. But it's good because Somerset holds Mills back. Yes. But Mills propels him forward. Also starring Gwyneth Paltrow as Tracy, mm -hmm. Mills' wife. She's not in it a huge amount. No, she's not. I think it was Brad Pitt who described her as the only ray of light in this film. <laughs> yeah, And this... she is. I mean, everything else is very dark. She is mm. blonde. She's very pretty. Every time she's in a scene, it, like, it really lights it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and she's optimistic about things because she's having a baby and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, everything else in the film is very dire. <laughs> yeah. We really don't have that many cast members in this. There are a few others mm. that you see briefly. Yeah. But the big one is Kevin Spacey mm. as John Doe. You, you may notice he doesn't appear in the opening credits. Well, he plays the murderer, John Doe. <laughs> Spoilers. You do see him a couple of times um, in the first half of the movie, but you never see his mm. face. I think one of the first times you see his face is about at least halfway through. Mm. So you would never yeah. even know that Kevin Spacey was in this movie because he wasn't included in any of the promotional material. Um they don't, they don't say anything about him. Mm. And he was happy with that. He actually refused billing because he thought it would ruin the movie if you're waiting for him to come in. Yeah, because he had become somewhat well-known and then it was like, if his name's in the credits and then, yeah, halfway through the film, you haven't seen him yet. It's kind of mm. obvious. <laughs> so he's credited at the end, but that's all. Mm. I mean, speaking of the opening credits, yes, they're amazing. Yeah, they're really cool. They were directed <laughs> by Kyle Cooper. He's done, got a million other... Opening credits. Yes. We were looking at a list of them before and it's kind of just pointless. It's too many to even list. Like, <laughs> it's just pointless. Yeah. Just, if you've seen a film, he probably did it. But he does a really good job of them. Um, Zack Snyder actually mm. said that he joked once that he makes title sequences that are better than the movie itself. <laughs> they were revolutionary. Mm. This was one of the first films that had credits like this where they are an art in themselves. Yeah. Yeah, the story of the film kind of... Uh, sort of occurs in the credits uh, or I guess backstory of the film in a way plays out in the credits, but you wouldn't really know that's what it was the first time you see it because it it shows clips of, of John Doe's character doing things like um, slicing the, his fingertips off and then he's working on the other things, but he's got like um, bandages and, and band-aids on and things like that mm -hmm. and writing in his journals, but you wouldn't have any context for any of that stuff at the beginning. So on, second and third viewings or whatever that kind of becomes a bit more interesting exactly 
It's a, it's it also sets the tone for the movie. It's very dark. Yeah. It's got a remix of Nine Inch Nails Closer in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, without lyrics. So I think the only the only lyrics that you hear are You Get Me Closer to God, um, which also sets the tone for the movie about <laughs> the seven deadly sins. Yeah. And a bit of foreshadowing. Not that the song itself is about any of that, <laughs> but if you don't know the song and just get those lyrics, it works. Yeah. And it foreshadows, I guess, Trent Reznor and... <laughs> yeah, that's later it. relationship. <laughs> it's the first film of his that Trent Reznor's music appeared in. I also think it's really interesting that all of the credits in that opening sequence were hand scratched onto film stock by Cooper. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. So when you see the yeah the text that flicks up, it it looks messy and it, it kind of mirrors what's in the journals. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, those creepy, creepy journals. <laughs> those are actually all real. Mm. In that scene where they enter John Doe's apartment and it's just filled with journals and they pick up a couple and read through them, every one of those was real and handwritten for this film. And they took (laughs) about two months and $15,000 to make. That's awesome, but so excessive. I know. (laughs) I know, especially since they only go through about four of them. I mean, yeah, there's a quick shot in in one of them. And then, and again, they go through four of them, but it, they could have just gone through one and just had them flip at different pages. Yeah. But I guess that's pretty pretty impressive. I do wonder if they auctioned them off or something after that would have <laughs> made a lot of money. Yeah. And if they're all actually like contain continuous material, like as in you could sit down and re- try and read one mm. or if it was just, just random. That would be pretty amazing if they told a story in themselves. Right. Yeah. Like if they actually, someone actually sat down and tried to figure out what the hell this character would have yeah. been like scribbling down in his journal and then it was somewhat followable. <laughs> so the film, I mean, I know that it was highly regarded at the time it came out because everybody was talking about it and I saw it in the news everywhere. And again, this is another one where if I look at the, the percentages and the ratings on IMDb, I'm a little surprised. Mm. Which, I mean, that happens a lot on this show. They're still, <laughs> they're very good, I guess. Oh, but... they are. Yeah, it's just, again, the, I, I get, our tastes run differently, I guess, to most people. I would have, I would have rated this much higher. But I can see why, <laughs> like, why people would probably be a little repelled it is it is very dark yeah and uh, the religious stuff is very creepy and i suppose if you believe Mm -hmm. a lot of these things it's probably even more creepy and disturbing so Mm. yeah that would be it off off putting so yeah it's got an 8.6 on imdb 65 percent metacritic which is the most surprising i guess and um 80 percent on rotten tomatoes Mm. yeah i remember when this movie came out i was 10 (laughs) and i already had a love for horror yeah and i remember one night that my parents were going to see it and I begged them to take me with them. <laughs> and they said no, because they didn't think that it was appropriate for me. Yeah, right. And I had to stay home with the babysitter and just cried all night that I couldn't <laughs> go see Seven. Well, I think this is, um, I'm pretty certain this is the very first MA15 plus film that I ever went and saw. Because here in Australia, we have, uh, might, might have changed now because I don't pay attention to ratings at all anymore because who cares? I'm old. But uh, at the time, <laughs> we had um, G, which was general, mm-hmm. uh, PG, which was parental guidance recommended mm-hmm. for people 13 and over. Then we had M, which was 15 plus, but you could still go in and see them if you wanted to. But then we had MA 15 plus. And generally speaking, uh, if my friends and I tried to get into an MA 15 plus, they would ask for ID, uh, depending on who was working. Uh, and we may or may not be rejected. <laughs> And not get in to see the film. And then we also had R-rated films, but they don't show or didn't show R-rated films in theaters back then. Right. You just, you couldn't see them. Uh, you'd have to get them on on uh, video or something later. 
Uh, and this was okay. the very first film I saw that was MA15 Plus and I was 15. So I was like, tickets, please. <laughs> see, I think for us in the US, it was rated R. Oh, really? Okay. Mm. Yeah, well, see, we probably got an edited version of it as well because, uh, you know, we're a bit bit babied here in Australia. I'm not sure what your R rating is either. For us, it's um, under 17. Right. R rating here is 18 plus. Okay. So it's fairly similar. Yeah. Well, at 10 years old, I, I, I guess I wasn't old enough, but <laughs> no. I feel like I could have handled it. <laughs> so the film tells the story, as we've briefly mentioned, of Somerset and Mills, two detectives uh, who are investigating a series of murders um, based on the seven deadly sins. So the, the killer is, is seemingly reenacting the seven deadly sins mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, it begins with with gluttony as the first one uh, and goes on from there. We'll get more into all that a bit later on. We have some other general trivia. We do. I really, I want to talk about the ending to this film. Mm-hmm. Okay. We did say we were going to spoil, but this is pretty blatant spoilers. Yeah. But I mean, this is very famous though. This this ending is very famous. I'd mm-hmm. be surprised mm-hmm. if you don't know it. Or, or if you, maybe you've seen it or you've heard someone quote it and you What's didn't know What's in the it box? Was. What's in the box? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be weird if you haven't at least heard of this. Yeah. The ending of the film, John Doe has carried out almost all of his murders, and there are two remaining. There is envy and wrath remaining. And he turns himself into the police, tells them there are two more bodies, and asks to be taken to a location by the two detectives. So when they take him out there, when they get there, uh, a courier shows up to deliver a box um somerset heads off to get it and mills and and doe are left to have a conversation they have a conversation where doe tells him that he was a very um jealous of his wife uh envious of his wife you might say uh brad pitt's character mills is freaking out going what the fuck are you talking about uh somerset gets the box opens up the box there is something inside the box and he starts to freak out and then john doe says i actually visited your wife um you know, tried to tried to be a little family man myself. Didn't work out, so I accidentally cut off her head, and it's in the box over there. Um, Brad Pitt freaks out and eventually shoots him, mm-hmm. thereby fulfilling uh, the the final the sin. final sins. Although um, Brad Pitt doesn't die, um, John Doe does, and then Brad Pitt will, will theoretically be punished, and that will fulfill the the uh, the adventure, <laughs> so to speak. So that's a pretty dark ending. So that was the intended ending. That was the original ending. Mm. Yes. That was written by Walker. New Line bought it and then told him that it was too dark, which is kind of a theme with all of his movies. Everything that he has written <laughs> has come back to him as being too dark. He wrote Sleepy Hollow and Tim Burton changed it because he didn't like how dark it was. Um, <laughs> same happened with 8mm. Man, that was a dark film anyway. <laughs> Apparently it was supposed to be darker. Jesus. All right. <laughs> with this one, they told him, we love the film. We just, Mm. we need to rewrite it. So he and the original director that they possibly had on board rewrote an ending that Mm -hmm. he says he doesn't even remember quite what it was. It was something where they end up in an abandoned church where there are tableaus of the seven deadly sins out and it ends in some kind of confrontation between the three of them. Mm -hmm. He wasn't very happy. And now he says he can't believe he even wrote that. (laughs) Like he could have just told them, no. We're keeping it. That's it. But he's glad he didn't because the way things worked out, he got to be a part of the film still. Yeah, right. So eventually, Fincher was sent a script and he came and said, yes, absolutely. I want to do this. And then New Line said, oh, 
oh shit, we sent you the wrong script. <laughs> Here's what we want to do. And Fincher said, absolutely not. I'm doing it this way. Yeah. So he got the original script. That's right. They got Walker back on, like they had him help with the rewrites with Fincher. Yeah. But it, it was it was a big point of contention through the entire filming process. <laughs> the new line just thought it was too dark. Nobody wants to see that. We we can't film that ending. And they suggested many, many different endings, which all I'm glad they didn't go with because they would have kind of wrecked how dark the film is to have an uplifting yeah, ending. It's kind of perfect. It is it perfect, is. Like... yes. So even um, Pitt, Morgan Freeman, and um, Spacey, they said they wouldn't do the film, they wouldn't do any promotion for the film if they changed that ending. Yeah, right. So they reluctantly agreed. <laughs> And it did very well. Yeah, it did. Some of the alternate endings that were proposed were that they knew Tracy was in danger and they had a race to save her life. One of the guys from New Line proposed the idea that you open the box and there's a TV monitor in there showing <laughs> that Tracy is in danger, but they can still right. save her. That's stupid. Oh, so stupid. <laughs> there was another one where Somerset Freeman kills mm. Doe to stop Mills from killing Doe. Right. So that his plan of the Seven Deadly Sins murders didn't come to fruition. Yeah, still. Uh, yeah, I know. The way it... It kind of just ruins... It kind of, well, not ruins it, but it kind of, it's a bit flat, if you ask me. It is. Well, I think that's the problem that they all had with it. Like, mm. the existing ending is so perfect and it wraps up... Yeah, well, the power of the ending is that he won. Exactly. He pulled it all off perfectly. Exactly, and it would have been very weak for him not to. Yeah. There was one part of the ending, the existing ending, that Walker wasn't happy with, and that is mm. that it doesn't just end immediately after the gunshot. Right. That it has another little epilogue mm. where Somerset reads out a Hemingway quote and kind yeah. of gives it a little bit of an optimistic note. <laughs> yeah. And Fincher wasn't happy with that, but I guess if they were able to keep the original ending, they were... They were okay to concede that. It's better than nothing. Yeah, because yeah, they take Brad Pitt away and then the guy says, oh, don't worry, he'll be looked after. Mm -hmm. I'll stay back and like... make sure that we look after him. Yeah. But my issue with this ending, with the existing ending, mm. because I love it, but if you think about how Doe planned this out, yeah, he started a year in advance mm -hmm. and Mills, who carries out the final murder. Yeah, yeah wasn't even around he didn't work he wasn't a detective in this city when doe started doing it how how did he plan all this out and then yeah he couldn't he couldn't have factored his his being involved yeah. into the whole thing yeah i know what you mean but i guess if you don't think about it too much you know it works or maybe he did have some other plan and then mills came in and <laughs> was like this the is even better this, this 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 and then when it gets to about the time to see who's around yeah and cranky <laughs> Do you know when you saw this movie as a kid? Mm. Do you mm -hmm. remember seeing Gwyneth Paltrow's head in the box? Ah, see, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe like if I if I don't see it for a while, I bet I could. I, I bet I probably think maybe you do. I don't know. I know you. You definitely see blood. See, but I've seen it so recently, it's hard for me to do this. But yeah, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's hard to remember if I did or not. Because I think I did. I remember at least seeing mm. hair. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But now. Watching it again, you don't see anything. All you see is the little spot of blood on the lid. You're told yeah. by Somerset there's blood on the yeah. box and then opens it and 
he says it's true or no he doesn't even he, no, he, he, he opens never it acknowledges that's what it is exactly yeah, he, he opens it out. freaks out and then mm. doe says that it's tracy's head yeah you're right actually i think i don't think he yeah there's never any confirmation that that's what it is but you just know right but fincher has gotten into arguments with people who swear <laughs> that they saw her head in the box <laughs> well he would know <laughs> he would know and he says no it's not in there yeah but that's perfect yeah, it's great. And the same with all of the murders. None of them happen on screen. There's barely mm. any on-screen violence. And the mm -hmm. only one that you do see is Doe. Yeah, when when Mills shoots him. Mm -hmm. well, you don't even, yeah, you see that from a distance. Yeah. Everything else has already been done. But you kind of fill in the blanks. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's clever filmmaking. He said he wanted to make a movie that has enough impact, that it's going to do what it needs to do but he didn't want to make a film that serial killers masturbate to. <laughs> right. That was Fincher. That's he didn't funny. want it to be over the top gory and yeah, anything right, that exactly. you think you saw, your brain made that up. Yeah. Yeah. You only ever see the after the fact. Mm. Yeah. The crime scenes. Yeah. I think that's really fact, cool. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I agree. John Doe kills people to represent the seven deadly sins. So what are the seven deadly sins? Do you want me to list them or? <laughs> <laughs> well, we can list them first. The seven deadly sins are all capital vices, which mm. were compiled by a monk named Evagrius Ponticus in 375 AD. The intention was to kind of help people identify their temptations mm. and their strengths and weaknesses in dealing with their temptations. Right. So he made a list of all of what he thought were the worst offenders <laughs> of vices. And those were gluttony, greed, sloth, sorrow, lust, anger, vainglory, and pride. So you might notice there are eight there. That's right. So they were good. They got revised. They did. In 590 <laughs> AD, the Pope, Pope Gregory I, revised them and combined hmm. vainglory and pride yeah i think it was they're very similar i guess vainglory is not something we even use <laughs> so mm. i assume at some point between 375 ad and 590 ad it fell out of fashion because they've been revised over time mm. I, I mean they've pretty much stayed the same but they did include things like depression at one mm. point but a lot of words have changed Yes. So they have had to be kept updated. Yeah. So in, it, to correspond with the seven deadly sins, there are also seven virtues. Mm -hmm. um, those being chastity, temperance, charity, diligence, patience, kindness, and humility. And they also have kind of evolved over time. The, that list um, differs slightly from, from the list that we're going to be talking about a bit later on. Same with the seven deadly sins. The number seven makes a lot of biblical appearances. It is the amount of days that God took to create the earth. Mm -hmm. It's the amount of days in Passover. Any time that they mention vengeance, it's always sevenfold. Like the band. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Noah was instructed to take seven pairs of each animal onto the ark. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> Which makes way more sense in breeding them. Yeah. Yeah, big boat. Big yeah, boat, the number though. seven is used quite a lot. Big boat, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But then I guess you could say that at really about any number if you looked hard enough. Yeah, sure. Lots of symbolism. 
all over the place. Exactly. <laughs> if you look hard enough for it. One of the primary works that contains stuff about the seven deadly sins is Milton's Paradise Lost. Yeah, and that's referenced a lot in this movie. Yeah. Same yeah. with Dante's Inferno and The mm -hmm. Fall of Man. The seven deadly sins uh, and their corresponding virtues are feature heavily in book two of Dante's Divine Comedy, which is the book two is called Purgatory. Uh, book one is Inferno or Hell. Mm -hmm. Book two is Purgatorio or Purgatory. Purgatorio. <laughs> yeah, it's a Pokemon, I think. And um, <laughs> book three is Paradiso, Heaven. Mm -hmm. Purgatory, it's the second book. The Divine Comedy tells the story of Dante, who is the author himself, and his journey through Hell and then up through Purgatory and then into Heaven. So mm -hmm. he gets to see how it all works. And uh, the second book, Purgatory, he talks about how Purgatory itself is an island in the middle of, of the big ocean and there's a mountain on there and mm. it exists between heaven and hell and uh the mountain consists of 10 levels or terraces seven of those levels represent the seven deadly sins and uh, the sinners in there have to atone for their sinful ways and kind of be purged of their evil and then there'll be an earthquake to signify that a soul is ready and then that soul can ascend up to heaven Right. So it's kind of like a behavioral correctional facility for um for Christians, uh, because only actual only penitent Christians um get to enter purgatory. Everybody else, the non-believers uh, and all the you know evildoers and and the, the the people who aren't in the club, just go to hell. But if, so if every other a, religion just goes to hell. Oh yeah, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah. So if you're um yeah if you're not if you're not in the in the Christianity club, you go. You go straight to hell. And, but what um, about those who don't know about Christianity? Because wasn't that the point of the missions that they're well, fine until they know about God <laughs> and then deny well, him? What happens is uh, at the bottom of the island, when you get to the island on a boat, you arrive and there's a guy there who says hello and, and, and you introduce yourself and, and all that. And then the very bottom two levels. Are you have to introduce like yourself? <laughs> I assume. How's he going to, he's going to look your name up on the, on the list. Well, I mean... If they've called you there, don't they know who you are? <laughs> you would think so. So there's two entry levels at, or uh, ante rooms at the bottom, uh, kind of like holding areas. Mm -hmm. The first one is for the excommunicate. And that, that means people who were um, kicked out of the church kind of thing. Like they weren't, they were still Christians, but the church said, go away. What about those who chose to be excommunicated? What about well, us? <laughs> I guess well we would go we would go to hell. So we wouldn't have we wouldn't have got a look in here at, at the door. We would have been turned away. But um if if you were still a believer and you were penitent but you kind of you did something and you got kicked out of the church, they'd let you into this waiting room and you can wait there for a period of 30 years times however long it was that you spent doing whatever you, it was that got you kicked out. <laughs> if that makes sense. So it's like a prison sentence. Yeah, like, so if you were, I don't know, if you were stealing money from the church for 10 years and then they caught you and then they excommunicated you and you were like, oh, I still believe in God and I'm still, uh, you know, in other ways, I'm still a good Christian, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. When you die, you get here and they go, well, you were stealing stuff for 10 years. So 30 times 10. Okay, just wait in this room for 300 years. Right. So what can... if that guy was stealing money, right, for 10 mm -hmm. years? Yes. And then another guy killed somebody in the span of 10 minutes. Well, so he spends less time. Is the guy is the murderer repentant? Is he a Christian? They both are. Okay, well then he he gets to uh, he comes 
comes in here. He, he yes, I guess, would have to wait. Well, unless the church didn't kick him out. Like, did the church know about the murder? Did they actually ex- excommunicate him? See, he's still got to pay for his murder sins anyway in purgatory. This is okay, just to okay. get into purgatory. Right. So, so say if somebody, say if some guy took the Lord's name in vain once. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, right? This is just to get in. Once you're okay, in, okay. then you've got to... So this is just to, to get tickets. Basically, yeah. And then once you're in, they're going to go, all right, what did you do wrong overall? And then and then you have to deal with that. So, yeah, whatever you got kicked out of the church for, 30 times, however long that took, and then you get in, mm-hmm. and then we'll address the rest of the sins in a minute. All right, so sometimes you don't want to get in. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, I mean, no, you do. Because Depending on which is, level. The alternative is hell, which is, which is worse. Okay. So... Um, that's the first entry entry room. And after that, there's another one, which is for the late repenters. Um, so that means people who, you know, kind of converted on the deathbed mm-hmm. at the last minute. And they weren't, you know, a bit half-assed about it. Uh, and then also to people who were The just ones too- who thought, oh, if this is real, I'm in trouble. <laughs> exactly. And then also those people who were too lazy to actually repent and, and accept God, even though they did believe and they weren't, you know, they kind of, so I guess that might cover people who didn't even know about the, the, that they were supposed to. Like if you were, if you were a good person and you were godly, mm-hmm. but you just never got around to actually repenting and, and saying, please let me go to heaven well, you can wait in this room uh, along with finally negligent rulers have to wait in this room as well. And that means, kings or queens or people who were in charge who just did a shitty job and uh, caused their people to suffer. So all of those people have to wait in that room for the same amount of time that they lived. And then they get to go into purgatory. Oh, so that's a lot less. Uh, yeah, well, theoretically, yeah, because like I said, if you, if you, if you did get excommunicated for swearing i mean it only takes a couple of seconds to swear so 30 times that you wait in the room and then you get in okay and it does say things like prayer and uh and charity and other good acts that you took during your life can you can have your sentence reduced okay so you might not have you might not have to wait the full sentence we'll see but then uh, once you've been in those rooms and then you get led into purgatory you then have to deal with all the other stuff that everybody else has been dealing with in purgatory. So it doesn't end there. In fact, that's kind of where it begins. And we now get to the sins themselves. Okay. And we can so, equate them to their on-screen murders. Exactly right. Yeah. And so, and just uh, as in, in purgatory, um, in the film, the death itself is not the punishment. It's the, um, the torture leading up to it. Well, that's right. But that's why, and, and you mentioned before that, even though Brad Pitt doesn't die, he was still mm. he still was um the final sin. Yes. But it's not necessarily the person who dies, right? Because we'll talk about this later, but there are a couple where the perpetrator of the crime is not or the perpetrator of the sin is mm-hmm. not the one who is killed. Yes. Brad Pitt, his character Mills, was wrath. Right. But he doesn't have to die. He just now has to live with the fact that his anger is what caused his wife's death. Right. Yeah, that's kind of how this works, right? So purgatory, uh, you get put into, I, I mean, it's not specific. Like if you do, if you commit more than one of these sins over a lifetime. And again, they're not specific things. These are kind of behaviors, behavioral traits mm-hmm. that you get in trouble for, for, for indulging. And then you get put in these one of these various terraces. Uh, and then... Once you've been exorcised of your 
bad characteristics, you then get to go up to heaven. Yeah. I will do it in order of the film, right? So the first murder in the film is gluttony. Mm-hmm. Now, gluttony in, in the Divine Comedy is the sixth terrace in, in Purgatory. And in it, sinners are starved while they are surrounded by trees, but the fruit on the trees is always just out of reach. And voices in the trees tell them stories of temperance, which is uh, in at that time, that's the word they used for the virtue uh, that is the opposite of right. gluttony. So gluttony and greed kind of go hand in hand a little bit. It's more yeah. of like the excess in something mm-hmm. or overconsumption of something. Yeah. Um, but often it goes with food. So <laughs> yes. the on-screen death is a man who John Doe felt liked to indulge. He was a very overweight man. Mm-hmm. To punish him for that sin, he was forced to eat until his stomach exploded. Man, I don't think that would be pleasant. No. No. I don't think any of these would. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> yeah. So, well, as you said there, the gluttony is um, is about, you know, indulging in food and stuff. And the, the way that these are arranged, the first three terraces, again, we're doing this a bit out of order. Because of the murders in the film. Yeah. I mean, the, the actual order, and um, the first is pride, the second is envy, the third is wrath, the fourth is sloth, the fifth is greed, the sixth is gluttony and the seventh is lust that's how they are in the divine comedy and, and the, the first so the number order of that means that the first is the least offensive no i don't think that works like that i okay. think it's just the, the, the first three are related to perverted love directed at other people okay so um pride envy and wrath mm-hmm. so it's it's emotion directed at other people in a perverse way the fourth represents insufficient love mm-hmm. which is um sloth so you just you don't care enough to do anything and then the um the last three all represent uh excessive or distorted love of things that are good but you you're going too far so that's kind of how they were arranged okay so uh gluttony first in the film in the film the second mm-hmm. one is greed uh, which is the fifth terrace in Purgatory. Uh, and in the Divine Comedy, it's referred to as avarice. And that refers to excessive love of earthly things in general. So um, that actually encompasses greed, but also uh, ambition and extravagance. So if you're too ambitious, that that counts. <laughs> right. So on this terrace, sinners are forced to lie down on the ground, face down, and they're not able to move. Um, and a scene of the birth of Christ is shown over and over again, mentally, I believe, because otherwise oh. how would you see it if you're looking at the ground. Um, and the point is that you're not supposed to be coveting earthly things. You're supposed to be coveting spiritual things. So when they refer to excessive ambition and things like that, I think what they mean is like ambition for like money and fame and things like that. You shouldn't be worried about that stuff. You should be worried about, you know, God. Do so you just have to watch a woman give birth? Over and over. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, if that's your thing, this is probably not so bad. But uh, I am greedy for women giving birth. <laughs> I cannot no, I mean, get enough. Bit, if you've got a bit of greed and a bit of lust in you, this could work out all right. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's what I find strange. Like, what if you, what if you're guilty of more than one of these sins? Do they just pick well, the one that you're most guilty of, Aish. or do you have to go through each room? <laughs> no, you. I think you got to go through each each room. I'm pretty sure okay. that's how it works. Okay. In fact, I'm going to make an executive decision. Yeah, you got to go through all of them. Sorry. Right, thanks, God. <laughs> so, how's greed play out in the film? A lawyer is made to cut out one pound of flesh from his body. Mm. He's like given some scales and a knife, and he has to choose where to cut them. It's fucked up. It is. <laughs> it is. And he then bleeds out. Yeah, yeah. He chooses the love handles, I believe. <laughs> yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They make mm. a joke about it, I think. Because where else would you cut it out from? <laughs> yeah, like your butt, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But, well, but it doesn't matter because he dies anyway. Yeah, I mean, none of that would be none of that would be pleasant. <laughs> right, he is punished for his sin of, I guess, ambition fits into that too. He's a lawyer. He's very respectable, mm -hmm. and he makes a lot of money. Yeah, probably wears a fancy suit. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, the next murder in the film is sloth, which is not an adorable little creature. It is <laughs> just being lazy, <laughs> basically. What a great sin! <laughs> sloth. <laughs> Yeah, it's Kristen Bell's favorite. Do you think that's why they, why the animal was called a sloth? Because they're so lazy? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it must be. Either that or that's why the sin is called that. <laughs> Although I don't think they would have known about them. Uh, you know, <laughs> Well, God created from? all animals, so. Uh, well, yeah, obviously God knew, but. <laughs> all right, well, he also knew the... about the seven deadly sins. True. Aren't they... Yeah, he built purgatory before we even knew what sloths were. Aren't they kind of his creation too? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Somebody give me the God timeline. <laughs> it's, it's very long. So the <laughs> this is the fourth terrace. And he, on it, sinners are forced to run around constantly being busy uh, and constantly, you know, having to do things and yelling out stories of both sloth and of zeal which is the opposite virtue in this case. Like I said, the words get mixed around a bit in mythology. In this case, it's zeal. So they become God's personal assistants. Yeah, well, they just got to run around. Pick up my dry cleaning. Cancel that appointment. <laughs> yeah, basically. Call my hairdresser. Keep doing stuff. You know, no laziness for you. Ugh. Until eventually they've done enough and then they get to pop off up to heaven or into the, the, into up to the next other terrace, terrace. For, yeah, whatever they're guilty of. So on screen, it was um, a drug user mm. who I guess Doe found to be lazy. <laughs> he kind of lived in like a drug den, stayed in his yeah. house, did drugs. He was strapped to a bed for one year and kept alive. So mm. he didn't die either. Um, I guess we can assume he does within this story. Yeah, I mean, not much of a Because life. he was not well off when they found him. But like I mentioned before, it's not really... It's not the death that is the punishment. It's having to live with mm. what you've done. Yeah. His body's already rotting, even though he's still alive. Yeah, I think this actually might be the most unpleasant one of them in the film. Yeah, because it, it like they say that he had been strapped to the bed for one year to the day that they found him. Yeah. Which is how That's I know brutal. that John Doe had planned this out for a year. Yeah, at least, yeah. So the actor that played this um, sinner... When they found him, <laughs> he weighed 98 pounds or 44 kilos. Man, that's nothing. And they actually asked him if he could lose a little bit more weight. 
And he was like, what? No. <laughs> that's not happening. Man, that's like nothing. I know. That's like half of me. <laughs> it's half of me. And I'm not that big. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the next death in the movie is Lust. Mm -hmm. uh, and that is the seventh terrace. And it consists of a giant wall of flame that sinners have to run through, I assume, back and forth um, constantly. And they have to shout out examples of lust and then of chastity, which is the opposite virtue. This kind so, of sounds I mean, like must, the most fun must be a fun terrace. place. <laughs> yeah, well, not for people watching, maybe. Getting burnt constantly. Would be yeah, fun, yeah. But, but hearing what people can come up with might be interesting. So it's like, yeah, alternate dirty stories with... <laughs> Stories of just people who were like, no, no, I'm good or whatever. I mean, chastity is such a weird thing. Like, what do they mean? I think. Chased. I know. I don't take her pants off. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. He went to the club and he didn't pick up. <laughs> she wore a very long dress. <laughs> it covered right. her ankles. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the film, a man who likes to uh, visit prostitutes from time to time, is made to wear a strap-on dildo that is a pretty gnarly-looking blade. Yeah, man. And have sex with a prostitute. Yeah, so you don't really see the murder take place or anything like that. The police arrive, and you see that the guy's freaking out in the corner, and there's what you know, kind of like a bloody mess somewhere in the, on, the, on a bed in the room. And then it immediately gets you know shifted to the police station where mm -hmm. they're interviewing this guy right and they flash an image of the weapon on screen mm. while he's talking about what john doe made him do at gunpoint but in a lot of the releases the tv releases the image of that weapon was cut so it kind of makes the whole scene nonsensical that he's just saying mm. he made me do it and you see this bloody prostitute and he i think he mentions sort of what it is but yeah it's vague yeah it is very vague and without the image of it you have no idea what happened yeah so it's just nonsense <laughs> mm. this one yeah. is also um a little bit unclear because the prostitute is not the sinner right she is not the one guilty of lust the man who paid her to have sex is right yeah yeah doe punishes him by making him carry out the murder which is the same as I said, he does two mills. Yeah, he mixes it up a bit. <laughs> yeah, death death isn't the punishment. He always punishes them in a way that Before. fits their crime. Yeah. It just kind yeah, of yeah. happens that some of them die. Like, he makes, <laughs> sure. he makes the man guilty of gluttony overeat. Yeah. And then he it dies. kind of just, incidentally, <laughs> he dies because <laughs> of that. And the same with the lawyer. The lawyer has to cut out his own flesh. Doe doesn't force him to kill himself. Right. And it's it's the same with the next one, Pride. Yeah, so Pride is actually the first terrace in Purgatory. Uh, and that's where the proud people go. And they are forced to walk around with huge stones on their back and try and enjoy the many statues that are around representing humility, which is the opposite virtue of Pride. So, yeah, I guess they get weighed down and told, come on, guys. You're not as good as you think you are. How does a statue represent humility? Well, sorry, they're, they're kind of statues of, of people um, who were humble people in life. And I assume they also get told oh, okay. the stories okay. of, you know, So this it's guy not them was... doing humble things. 
No, they've got to, they've just got to appreciate humility and and then you know learn to be a bit more humble by following the example of the people depicted in the statues. That's boring. Yeah, well, a lot of this sounds boring. What if <laughs> what if you're proud of someone else? Uh, well, I don't think that counts, right? Because pride is vanity. It's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's not because you know vainglory, which is um, we didn't really explain. I guess what vainglory means. It's, it's an old term. And it means just unjustly boasting, kind of like lying and boasting about stuff that you're not really, um, you know, you should be, can't really claim credit for. At least I think that's what, that's what the explanation I read. And that gets rolled up into this. So it's, um, I think pride is just basically thinking that you're more important and, and better than you are. Right. Okay. So it, it's, it kind of only counts if you, if it's about yourself. Yeah. Well, it's, you're being proud. I don't think it's, it's not bad to be proud of like, you know, your kid when it, do, when it, it does well, <laughs> like, you know, like if you're, if you're proud of your daughter when she does well on a spelling bee, like sure. that's not, that's not a sin, is it? That See, I wouldn't think so. But then is it, I, is it a sin really a to be proud of yourself if you did well in the spelling bee? <laughs> I did do well in the spelling bee. Well, on screen, um, Doe chooses a model as the sinner. And he disfigures her face mm. and then leaves her in bed with the option of overdosing on sleeping pills or calling for help. He gives her pills in one hand and a phone in the other. Mm. And she chooses to overdose on the sleeping pills. So he doesn't mm -hmm. kill her either. He makes her live with the punishment for her sin, but she doesn't want to live with it. Right. Because of her pride. Yes. So I guess she is guilty of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, because really, in, I mean, could she not afford she's on the first plastic surgery or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good point. I guess he was. She was disfigured pretty bad. Cut her nose off, I think. Actually, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. Despite Still, her face, I, mean, I think they make that that joke. Well, after that, we've got envy, and we're now leading up to these are the two that um, he sets up for the finale of the film. So envy uh, is the second terrace of purgatory where voices tell stories of generosity as sinners wear gray cloaks and wander around with their eyes sewn shut. So envy is generally um, considered to be, uh, if you see somebody else who's happy, and it's not, it's not necessarily even just that you want the same stuff they have, it's but you think ill of them for having it and you want, and you covet it kind of thing. Like you, so like the way that, Kevin Spacey's character, John Doe, sees Mills and Tracy, and not only does he think, oh, I wish I had a wife of my own, it's not that. He wants that wife. He wants that wife, and he wants to take that away from Mills. Mm -hmm. So there's there's an aspect of that. Um, but I think really, um, since you you know you're walking around with your eyes sewn shut, you you're supposed to just not be looking at other stuff. You're supposed to be happy with what you've got. Mm. That also sounds boring. Yeah. Well, I, I've got to say the most boring, I think, at least it's when you get to walk around, I think the most boring is the one where you just have to lie on the ground and, <laughs> and look, watch at, birth and watch baby, be, yeah, watch baby Jesus be born in your head. <laughs> Tracy's not really guilty of anything. No. Not in, in Doe's eyes, I guess. So she's not being punished by her death. Her death is just to provoke Mills. John Doe himself is the one guilty of envy in this case. Yep. So he is envious of Mills' wife. And mm -hmm. and then he uses that to manipulate Mills into becoming the final sin. Which is wrath. Yes, which is the third terrace 
of mm-hmm. purgatory where visions of meekness, which is the which is the virtue, um, will appear in the mind of sinners as they wander in thick smoke, which represents the blinding power of anger. So, and I get, I, yeah, that makes sense. You know, you get angry, you do stupid shit because you, you know, you're blinded by rage. Right. Again, boring, but, you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. They do a good job with Mills because he is, um, he often rushes into things and he's very hot-headed mm. and he does get angry. Yeah. I think to a reasonable extent. Yeah, he's set up well as a character in this sense because you, as soon as you figure out what's going on, you know, oh shit, he's going to kill him. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, it's not a surprise at all that it happens. But that's, it's, it is tense though because you're kind of wondering, will he not? Like... Him killing him is almost certain. You're not really wondering whether he's going to kill him. You're going to you're wondering if he's going to not. If he's kill going him. to not, and then not fulfill. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah, it's, it's just kind of flipped around. Yeah, it's a really good ending. It's sort of a twist because you're not expecting it. Right. Because they're trying to catch this guy forever, and then he just turns himself in and leads them into the final two murders. Well, they think he's taking them to some bodies when he's not. He's setting them up to to become the finale. It's a pretty elaborate plan. There's a lot that could go wrong. Oh, definitely. <laughs> in, in fact, technically, at the end, um, they're late because the the package is supposed to be delivered at I think he says seven, and they're there at like um, one past seven, and it's not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, so it's like you know minuscule, but still, it could have gone wrong. Right. Yeah. So those are the seven deadly sins in Purgatory. At the very top um, of Purgatory, after all that. Um, is the earthly paradise, which represents the Garden of Eden, and that is based on the way things were before Adam and Eve sinned. If you don't know what that means, if you're not mm-hmm. familiar with Christian mythology, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and everything was fine. And he said, don't eat that fruit, because that'll make you know what's good and evil. Because God's then- an asshole, and he liked to just <laughs> dangle it in front of them. Yeah, and then uh, Satan showed up as a snake and said, oh, you should probably eat that fruit, it's pretty good. I actually believe he showed up as a serpent because his punishment for this was, was to, to be a snake. become a snake. My, my bad. To lose his arms <laughs> and legs. Yeah, okay, fair point. So he rocks up and he says, you should eat that. And then they were like, nah. And then Eve was like, yeah, all right, fine. And then gave some to Adam and then they sinned and then they realized they were naked. <laughs> Although it's not really explained why it was okay for them to be naked before they knew being naked was bad. Like it's only once you know you're doing something bad that you can be in trouble for it, I guess. I don't know. It was a little bit weird, mm. but um, you know, so that, that's all. I think rep- embarrassment that, was. Oh, all right. Okay. Shame. Yeah. It's probably a, it's probably a sin. So yeah, the, um, the, uh, the top of purgatory represents that, but you don't really get to go there if you're a sinner. I don't, I'm not quite sure what the point of that level is. It's kind of just a bit symbolic in the story, um, but maybe it's like oh, so you don't office. you don't kind of end up there. No, 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 because no. once you you don't finished... go through all of the levels and then end up at the top. No, I don't think so. Because I think after you've because it says on the lower levels when there's an earthquake, that means a soul's finished and it just ascends up to heaven. So I don't know. Maybe the earthly paradise is like the administrative area where you know people who. Oh, right. So they, they're in heaven, but they have to come down to during yeah, the day to watch sh- these people. So yeah, like the IT they at department. least get a nice office. Yeah, the IT department and, um, you know, the, maybe the, the cafeteria for the staff that's in the earthly paradise. Yeah, okay, get, okay. Yeah, like a free fruit every, every Fruit, day. just no apples. Yeah, well, don't, you don't eat that box of fruit. Eat the other one. They get delivered every day and they're very fresh, but just don't, don't <laughs> touch them, okay? 
yeah so that's that's and that's purgatory that's uh that's kind of the most famous representation i think of the seven deadly sins they show up in other mythology i mean largely christian catholic mythology i I think it's interesting that you know more about purgatory than i do because i was told that this was fact when i was younger (laughs) sure yeah see i wasn't i just find it interesting i guess they didn't really go through the levels or anything like that they kind of just said that there there was a holding area (laughs) your purgatory features in judaism as well i think Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm not an expert on this but i believe because they don't think the messiah has come back they don't believe jesus was the messiah um technically they can't go to heaven yet so when when a jew dies they go to purgatory and then they just hang out there until the day the messiah does come back and then they get to go to heaven i think every religion that has a prayer for the dead or the belief that there is something after life and that there you could be either resurrected or that there's a judgment day anything like mm. that believes in a purgatory All right or as they call it in the original Italian, Purgatorio. <laughs> Purgatorio. <laughs> well, I think that's all we've got on se- 7N. To 7N. this week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could head over to iTunes and give us a review. Um, and you can also head over to multiplenerdgasm.com and check out some of our other shows. We've got the Multiple Nerdgasm podcast. Uh, and we've got a specials channel where we do some special events like film reviews um, when there's a big film out or um, conventions and things like that. Yeah, we've recently done a Star Wars game show, which yeah. is pretty funny. So have have a look at that. That was a lot of fun. Thanks to Jenna for organizing that. Um, yeah, so head over there. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we're M- at MNerdgasm on Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, we're Multiple Nerdgasm. Multiple Nerdgasm on Instagram. Yeah, we're all over the place. Hit yep. Jump on, follow, hit us up if you've got any questions, if you want us to talk about anything in particular. Mm-hmm. And until then, we've got a question for you. What's in the box? What's in the box? Ah, ah, ah what's in the box? That's not really the question. We want to <laughs> know, which cardinal sin are you guilty of? Yeah, what'd you do? What'd you do, listener? Yeah. What did you do? And we'll tell you how to repent. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be boring a five as star fuck. Cre- you've got to create <laughs> a multiple accounts and give us five star ratings with all of them. We'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>